Hello and welcome back to Recap Madness Podcast, a podcast about TV by people who love TV. Uh, I am your host, Chara, and I'm here as usual with my co-hosts, Mel and Crystal. And today we are starting our recap of season two of Motherland Fort Salem, and we'll be uh, recapping episodes one and two. So uh, I'll start with where we left off in season one. Um, when we left season one, the Camarilla were back in full force. Tally was turned into a biddy, and Raelle and Abigail were left behind after seemingly dying during the mission to rescue uh, the remaining Tareem. But much to our relief, at the end of the episode, we see them walking, so we know they're okay. Mm-hmm. I was a little worried for a minute there. Yeah, that was pretty harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> so much happened in those last couple of minutes. It was that action packed the last few minutes of that episode. Mm-hmm. So now we're in season two, and we're starting off with episode one, which was titled Of the Blood. And this episode begins with a girl singing in church and as she's singing, the stained glass windows start to melt and everyone just looks horrified for a second and then they just start running out of there. So we kind of have an idea of what's going on with her, but like what a way to find out that you're a witch. Yeah. <laughs> and what an audience to find out in front of. Right. You're just doing your thing, singing. And like all of a sudden, like, everybody's reacting like something's going on but like I don't even know if she knew it was something happening behind her I think I don't think she knew yeah it seemed like she thought they were like horrified by her singing yeah for a second she was just like okay well what is going on and then she finally turned around and saw oh that's what's going on yeah I wonder what seed that is I don't know (laughs) she just happened upon it okay (laughs) That seems advanced. <laughs> <laughs> it does um, It does uh, make you think that, well, yeah, they do need training. Because if they could just do that by accident, you do, you know, you got to <laughs> train them up. You can't have that running around. Exactly. That's a weapon. Yeah. She could have been melting wa- faces. Exactly. Like, that makes me wonder how many other... Like, witches are out there that don't know they have this power. Like, because they could just be doing a normal thing and happen upon the right note yeah. and, like, level a city. Wow. <laughs> but uh, back on the plane, um, Tally is still a bitty, and uh, she's talking to Adil. And Adil just starts breaking down because he thinks Abigail is dead. And um, they start talking, and he asks her what turning into a biddy was like. Um, but the biddies are just, like, standing there, shaking their heads, like, don't tell them anything, which yeah. is creepy. <laughs> and, and she gets the, up and, and leaves them. Yeah. I just want to congratulate them on um, her biddy makeup. Because she really does look like an old woman. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, her acting was real good, too, because she moved like one, too. She was yeah. stooped over, yeah. Yeah, like, her physical acting is very good in this. Um, but meanwhile, the little boy that Ray and Abigail saved... The one that up- you guys were going to leave to die. <laughs> <laughs> I would still leave him. Um, 
comes up to Adele and tells him he can't sleep and uh, he's worried that Rael died because she gave him her combat charm. So Adele's trying to comfort him when Alder comes over and starts singing him a song to help him sleep. And I still would have yeeted that kid right off the plane. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's already on the plane and you still want to get rid of him? <laughs> he almost caused my girl Abigail to die. Like, I'm not having it. scared. <laughs> He's got to go. He almost killed the last bellwether. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we cut back to uh, Scylla and she's still in the house with um, Willa Collar. And she's upset that Willa never told her that she was Rael's mom. And she tells her that, you know, Willa tells her, well, the spree didn't attack the Bellwether wedding. Which in hindsight, yeah, that was, it should have been more obvious, but it just wasn't, I guess, because back during season one, we had only heard about the spree. Yeah, there wasn't a lot said about any other kind of emory, en- enemy, so I just didn't think about it. But yeah, when I like in hindsight, there were a few obvious signs. So those balloons we were worried about were probably just decoys that had nothing in them. Yeah, but um, Willa tries to explain to her, you know, why she did what she did, and she shows her a scene of the Camarilla taking out members of Spree leadership at a dinner she was at. And um, Willa asks Scylla to join her in hunting the Camarilla. But of course, like at this point, she doesn't really trust Willa and she's hesitant about it. Which I kind of understand, but also like there's a more important enemy here. So whatever you're mad about, get over it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I agree, but I also think that she did pretty, she pivoted pretty quickly. Like, she didn't, you know, and I, I understand her kind of calling, especially since she didn't realize there was another enemy, and she's getting a lot of information at once. So, you know, I can, I can if she would have taken, like, a full episode or an episode and a half to get over it, I would have been like, girl, <laughs> I know you're lying behind me, uh, asking for people to be straight up. All right. And I think that's the thing that like took me out of the scene a little bit was like, okay, you like your whole MO is lying about everything. So why are you <laughs> mad at somebody else for lying to you? you know, liars hate it when people lie to them. <laughs> <laughs> like you're not telling me the truth, how dare you? <laughs> I know I'm a liar, but I don't expect you to lie to me. Exactly. And for all she knew, Willa could have been lying about the spree attack or the Camarilla <laughs> attack on the spree. So back at Fort Salem, um, Alder arrives and she gets there and Petra is waiting and Anacostia is waiting there. And uh, she has to tell Petra that, uh, well, Petra already knows, but she apologizes for Abigail's death and Petra is just not having it. She's like super pissed. There's a storm going on in the background. She tells Alder she took her girl from her and, like, calls Alder reckless in vain, which, true story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not lying. Right. No lies detected there. That was sad. It was a really sad uh, scene. Yeah. It's, it's nice. We know, we already know that, that, you know, she hasn't lost her, but just knowing that she thinks she's lost her 
And I just, it's also kind of weird, not weird, but like interesting to think about like her and, uh, was it Isadora who lost? No, no, not Isadora. It was, a, uh, I don't remember the other general, but she lost a daughter in that, you know, in the first season. And then she had to just keep working. I was just like, what kind of will, what kind of will of steel do you have to have to keep working after you lost your child? You know? Right. Yeah. I liked it when she said, told Alder, Alder, I'll mark you with this. I'm like, you, wow. <laughs> that was so powerful. That high it. Atlantic language. <laughs> She's coming for you, Alder. <laughs> I'll mark you with this, Sarah. Like, okay. <laughs> I'll tell somebody I'll mark you with this. <laughs> Next time they piss me off. <laughs> right. Right. That's a great kind of like threat insult they don't know you the person won't know what to do with it <laughs> right like what do you do with that how do you respond to that i mark you with this like uh okay like there's nothing else you can say but when petra walks away and so does alder um anacostia is left behind and she sees tally and she's clearly upset. She has tears in her eyes and just hugs Tally, which was a nice turn after, you know, before they were deployed, like Tally hugged her and she didn't know what to do with it. She was like, okay, <laughs> keep your emotions to yourself, today. Right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Now she's the emotional one. Now she's like, oh, you really, you really cared about us, Anacostia. Yeah. <laughs> you did. We weren't just pains in your ass. <laughs> I thought that was a very cute moment. I love that. Yeah, I love that. And like, it's clear she's also upset because like she's been told that Abigail and Rael are dead. Yeah. So there was just a lot going on for her too. Yeah. So Alder goes off to meet with the other generals to discuss the next steps. And then Petra comes in. And um, Alder tries to tell her, like, you know, take the time you need. You just lost your daughter. But she stops her and she's like, soldier first, mother second. That's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even imagine how she could even walk in that room. Ooh, following Alder after that, I would have handed my resignation. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what are you fighting for at this point? You're fighting for a bunch of um, civilians you don't know and who don't like you. Like, what is the real motivation? Right. I guess it's living out of habit at this point. Yeah. I think that's strongly what it is for her at this point. Like, bellwethers are trained from birth to, like, care about the army and want to fight. So I think it's just she's on autopilot at this point. Yeah. Or her sense of duty is so strong it overwhelms everything else. Yeah. But she gets right down to business and tells Alder that, you know, she has intelligence on the spree, uh, being attacked by the Camarilla. And, like, finally, Alder accepts that the Camarilla are back. Like, it took you this long and this many things to understand what people have been trying to tell you for multiple episodes. It's the Camarilla literally saying, we're back. It's us, in case you didn't know. Right. They had to yell it at you and burn your pilots for you to finally believe it. (laughs) 
So then um, there's a news broadcast about the girl we saw at the church, and we find out that she is the daughter of the vice president. And Alder says that, you know, they need to find other witches who aren't aware of their abilities um, before the Camarilla do, because they've been going around stealing voice boxes, and she's afraid they're going to do the same thing they did to the lost bellwethers to all of these other witches. Which is, like, the first time in a long time she's had, like, a solid plan that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that tracks. Like, they're hunting witches, even ones that don't know they're witches, to steal their voice boxes. So, okay, you go identify the rest of the witches. That makes sense. It did not make sense to send cadets who didn't finish training on a mission. Well, that seemed like a good idea at the time. In Alder's head. Only in her head. So while that's going on, we cut back to Abigail and Rael. They're exhausted, dirty, walking around trying to find an outpost. And Abigail stops to look at a body that is covered in mushrooms. And she knows that's part of the fallout from the explosion that happened between them. Um, And at this point, she says that they have an obligation to show Alder, but Rael is like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. Which I'm with Rael on this. Like, Alder hasn't shown herself to be trustworthy at this point. Like, she's done too much. She's puppeted the president. Like, because Petra told the president something, she sent you and your unit to the front lines. Like, why? Why are we telling her anything? Well, before that, like, I was, I was, I thought at first, I was like, look at this poor person we killed. <laughs> <laughs> but of course she's like, no, this is a weapon. <laughs> I don't know why you expected that from Abigail. <laughs> because for a moment, that's what it looked like. She looked so concerned. Yeah, no. She's no. like, we did this. I thought she was going to feel guilt. But she's like, no. (laughs) That wasn't her guilt face. That was her I know something new face. (laughs) Like, we did this. Aren't we awesome? (laughs) (laughs) So they argue about that a little bit. And then as they're talking, um, some soldiers come over the ridge. And of course, Abigail's in full military mode immediately, like telling them who they are. Um, but they're not buying it. They're like, we're going to take you into custody so we can investigate because you could just be spree wearing somebody's face. So that makes sense. So they they get taken into custody. That's a solid plan. And while they are being taken into custody to find out who they really are, uh, Tally is in Alder's office with the rest of the biddies doing whatever biddies do. I still haven't figured out what exactly they do. They Um, are like research assistants. (laughs) I saw some books going around. They're all just like, you know, around the office doing various things. I don't know. (laughs) But Alder tells her to sit down. And at first she's worried that she's done something wrong. Um, But Alder tells her that her sacrifice can never be repaid and she's grateful for it. Um, She tells her that 
biddies usually have years of training and she offers her a rare opportunity to resume her life as it was. But Tally at first says that, you know, she stands by her decision and Alder tells her, you know, like, don't take it lightly. Like, think about it for a while. Um, and as soon as they finish talking, like, someone calls Alder over and they tell her that all that uh, Rael and Abigail are alive and Tally knows because she's connected to Alder as a biddy. She immediately knows and like right that instant changes her mind and is like, okay, I accept your offer. <laughs> <laughs> My unit, they're back. Like, right. oh, they're alive? They're alive? I'm taking your offer. That was a lovely moment, I thought. That was nice. Yes. That was nice. But, like, zombies must not exist in this universe because I would have thought they were zombies. <laughs> they looked like zombies when they were walking away from the witch bomb. They looked like zombies. Yeah. <laughs> They've been through some things, so they're looking a little worse for wear. Yeah, I feel like Tally, like, at first, I was a little shocked that she rejected the offer at first, but then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, she thinks her sisters are dead. Like, part of that is grief. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, like, joining the biddies, you join an automatic sisterhood. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. So she lost one, she adopted another one. That's true. That's a good point. So back with Abigail and Rael, uh, they're on the plane on their way back to Fort Salem, and they're still arguing about whether to tell Alder about their power. Ray is still saying she doesn't trust her, and Abigail's like, well, do you trust me? Because I basically just saved your life. Yeah. Yeah. Which, <laughs> true. Good point. I mean, you did. I mean, Rael doesn't trust, like, Alder or pretty much anything military. <laughs> right. So it kind of is a wonder when you think about it how she trusted Scylla so quickly. <laughs> That's real. Because Scylla would seem to have that same kind of like not anti-military but she didn't play by the rules so I could She was a rule burger, yeah. Yeah. Svengali'd by her. <laughs> I, I thought she... that they both had a good point. Like both Brielle and um, Abigail in the given situation how extreme it was, like, you know, I, I tend to understand where uh, Rael is going, you know, coming from a little bit more, but I definitely understand. She's like, um, Abigail's like, we don't know how to deal with this. Like, we need somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I absolutely understand Ray's distrust of the military, but at the same time, like, I get Abigail's perspective of, like, this thing happened that nobody can explain, like, yeah. You don't know if it's going to kill you later or what. So who else is there to go to to find out what's going on? Exactly. Plus, Abigail's coming from that whole can Rhea kill my cousin and yeah. unknown family members point of view. So she's yep. like, yes. if we have a weapon that can go against them, then we have to take this. We have yep. to take the chance. Yeah. She is very much on a, oh, we have a weapon now? I will avenge Charvel's death. <laughs> An officer comes up to them and she's about to tell the officer, but like she stops her and is like, don't say anything else. I've been ordered not to debrief you two, which that is interesting. 
Mm. I guess Alda doesn't want any secret slipping. Yeah, she wants to. Know, she wants to be the first one to like know what's going on and disseminate what she thinks is appropriate and keep what she thinks is appropriate. Yeah. So back at Alder's office, she is talking to the vice president and explaining to him how his daughter is a witch. And um, she wants to test Penelope to make sure. And he's concerned about her becoming a target. Um, so Alder tells him that, you know, if they prove Penelope is a witch, she's going to have to be conscripted according to the law. And um, he seems like he doesn't like that too much. And um, then he asks if they can guarantee her safety. And Alder's just like, we take care of our own, which, okay, girl, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? Of course she's not safe. (laughs) That's the whole point of military. (laughs) You absolutely do not take care of your own, though. (laughs) Just the past couple of days, so many witches have died. (laughs) Right. Like, you were so vindictive. You sent three children to the front lines because you well, were mad at one's mother. Them. Well, yeah, she did send them. I was going <laughs> to say, she didn't send them to the terrain region. <laughs> but she did. <laughs> All because you were mad at one of their mothers. Right. I love Anacostia's little statements. Like, she will have to deliver herself badly to <laughs> As witches have always done. And that was interesting and good to see because um, as a politician, one, and as a civilian, he's like, no, it's their job to fight the wars, but the minute it touches his family, all of a sudden it's unfair. <laughs> like, what do you mean? You were fine with it when it wasn't your family, though. Right. When it's somebody else's children, it's all good. Yep. uh, Abigail and Raelle finally arrive safely back at the base, and Petra is waiting there. And Abigail runs into her mother's arms and tries to apologize to Petra, but Petra stops her. She's like, no, I'm proud of you. You made a classic bellwether move by doing this. And going on the mission anyway. And like she tells her she might be the greatest bellwether yet. Oh, I know. That was so beautiful. It was. That was it. That was nice. I always like Petra Abigail moments when they're not yeah. at each other's throats. <laughs> exactly. Or she's not pressuring her to that. Yeah, then I thought that was a nice, like we're moving into a different kind of relationship. Because they've already, they've always been in this type of relationship where mom just pressures her and she tries to live up to it. And now it's like, she's coming into her own and her mom is like recognizing that. And that's really nice to see. Yeah. It's like they were um, commanding officer and soldier. But in this moment, they were mother and daughter. And you really felt that. Absolutely. I think they've done a really nice job in the show of like showing that commanding officer and and soldier relationship, but also like between them leaving this undercurrent of love where it's very clear that like they love each other. They just happen to be in this situation where they're like boss and subordinate. Yeah. So while that's going on um, and they have their little reunion Rayel asks if they can see Tally, and then 
Petra surprisingly goes over to hug Rael too, which she's a little shocked by as well. So she kind of stiffens up at first, but then leans into it. Which I thought that was a really nice moment too, especially with like Rael's mom being gone and her not having anybody there to welcome her back or greet her. I thought that was nice of Petra to like include her. And like every time they've met, Rael has been very hostile <laughs> towards Petra. <laughs> So for Petra to go and hug her, you know, Petra was like, she was on cloud line. She was mm-hmm. like, I love everybody right now. <laughs> and it was cute to see Rael like tuck her head into her arm a little. I was like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> everybody gets mom hugs. <laughs> <laughs> and so Petra's credit, like, even though Rael is always like hostile and barking at her, like she always just brushes it off. Like it's nothing. Yeah. Before she takes them to see Tally, um, her and Abigail have one last like little moment where she tells Abigail that she won't take this second chance for granted. And um, she tells her that she loves her and Abigail says she loves her too. Which was a nice way to end that moment. Yeah. So she takes them to where uh, Isadora is performing the spell to turn Tally back into her younger self. And um, they get that done, and Tally is really happy to see her sisters again, but she quickly passes out. Like, obviously, that work, you know, took a lot out of her. Um, So she wakes up in the infirmary, and then she's just back to her normal, bubbly Tally self and, like, hugs them both, doesn't want to let them go. That moment, like, when she first wakes up and she's like, are you real? No. (laughs) Oh, my heart. (laughs) No. It was such a tally thing. Perfect tally moment. Um, So she knows they were in the explosion because she saw it from the helicopter, but she asked them about it and neither one of them really knows how it works. Um, So they're talking about that, and Ray, of course, says she doesn't trust Alder again, and Tally gets a little defensive about it and says that Alder is complicated, but she believes in her. Well, she has been in her head for the past day. How how long has it been? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how long it's been. I don't think anybody really acknowledged that. Well, it hasn't been very long, but still. Yeah. To live in somebody's head for even just a moment. You're going to come out with some feelings. Right. Long enough for her to be attached in some way. But they're still talking, and um, Abigail knows that she tells them that she knows that the people who ambushed them are the same people who killed Charvel, um, because she saw that they were using the same tech. And uh, she wants to use what they can do to fight them, of course, because like one way or another, Abigail is going to avenge Charvel's death. She is. Mm-hmm. She's got it in her head. She got it in her sights. She is never going to let it go at this point, which I'm all for. I want to see how she does it. So we cut to Adil and Kalita, and they're walking in the rain and talking. Um, Kalita wants to leave, but Adil tells her that they should stay. Um, and Kalita, of course, 
knows exactly what he's up to and she asks him if it's because Abigail is back and he's like maybe but you know I don't want to run anymore but you know she's still pushing the issue and he agrees to at least consider their options Mm -hmm. their relationship is really interesting to me because it's so I know part of that is witch culture and being a matrilineal society but it's just interesting to see like the older brother just always you know going with the decisions of his little sister yeah Yeah. while they're doing that um abigail and ray go speak with alder and the other generals um they're debriefing them on everything that happened after the helicopter took off and they revealed to Alder that the blast was them. So Abigail, being Abigail, of course, full military mode, she's like, we don't understand the work yet, but we will master it. And Alder is clearly intrigued by, by this new development. Poor Ray. <laughs> Ray's just sitting there. Like, I guess I'm here. <laughs> He's just like, I guess. <laughs> I guess we're doing this. Yeah, just Alder's reaction. I definitely understand Rail's distrust more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it explains a lot about why Kalita doesn't want to give Alder the Tarim songs. I wonder how, um, like, I guess they're never probably, they're probably not going to unpack this, but like how often and how much she is questioned and like people don't trust her, like within her own ranks. Like, is that a, a relatively new development or has she always battled with this? Because, you know, it just seems like everybody questions her and openly does so and, and openly is like, I don't trust you. <laughs> and it's just very interesting for her to be running everything and constantly running up against people who don't trust her. Yeah, I wish they would unpack that because I do want to know whether that's like always been the case or if that's something that has developed over time. Like she's been in power for 300, over 300 years. So is that something that's just developed because time is changing and she's not? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's probably there from the start. (laughs) Just because the way she manages is kind of harsh. And it, it kind of leaves a lot of people by the wayside. <laughs> yeah. I see just, this being a problem it. for a long time, but since she outlives everybody, she just says, I'm going to be in charge long after your death, so yeah. you can doubt me all you want. I'm still going to be in charge. Yeah, that's real. Yeah. And also, just uh, what you said was like, the people change and times change, and she doesn't. And that's, a, that's really a well-put phrase, because you know, maybe back in the day when you were, you know, when people were way more, um, you know, deferential to their authority figures in general, maybe she didn't have it as bad. But then, you know, she now she's got like millennials and Generation Z and all that to deal with. And she's like, OK, why are y'all questioning me every five seconds? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, we cut back to Scylla and um, she's talking to Willa about the Camarilla attack on Spree leadership. Um, and Willa tells her that she's the one who warned the witches 
through the attack on the soccer stadium. Which that was an interesting development, like, because that was a big change for the spree. Yeah. They had had previously gone with such violent attacks, so to have just people just chant a phrase that our ancient enemy has returned was like a huge change for the spree. And well, um, it apparently wasn't the spree; it was just Willa. Yeah, but then that that was a good. You know, she made the pivot. So you yeah. know, at this point, we don't know what the spree leadership is is on about. Like, what how they want to deal with it? Because they, they said they weren't happy. Yeah. He said they weren't oh, happy yeah. with what she did. Yeah. So the spree's still on their bullshit. <laughs> 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 on their mission of saving witches. <laughs> so. They're just like, more violence. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is this crap? <laughs> did nobody die? There was no massacre? What is this? <laughs> So while they're talking on the porch, um, Scylla sees a face in the ceiling of the porch and she's like, that's a fetch. And it turns out it's Anacostia tracking her. Which that was that was a new and pretty cool power that we hadn't seen before. Like, that was just, so cool. You get your face. Yeah, you can just spy on people like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like the um creepy. Yeah, it is creepy. I like the terminology. They don't really even like describe it. They just say the word and you have to like learn through uh, context clues. And it's just like, oh, it's a fetch, you know, like whatever. And it's like, okay, I get what the, I get what this is. <laughs> I, like, I like how they just casually use the terminology and we just kind of catch up and, I, and they don't do a whole lot of explaining. Yeah. yeah. The Anaconda should have known better because like the spree knows the military tactics. But the military doesn't know the spree tactics. Yeah. So, like, using a fetch, of course she was going to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to go with off-canon people, you need to be off-canon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the military is definitely at a disadvantage against the spree. Yeah. In so many ways. So we get back to Alder's office, and Alder tells Isadora to train Abigail and Ray to wield their power. Um, and Abigail wants to know about the Camarilla, but, you know, she's al already all gung-ho, wanting to get to the Camarilla of Vin Charvelle. And um, she's told to stand down and work on mastering the weapon first. Um, and when they leave the office, they run into Adil and Kalita and a reunion I've been waiting for since the beginning of the episode happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Abigail, like, runs into his arms and... She tells him she really missed him, and he's like, I really missed you, too, and tells her that, like, he's never been so happy in his life, and, of course, they start making out, and Kalita is, like, <laughs> absolutely disgusted. <laughs> Kalita's just like, ew. <laughs> so she thanks Rael for saving her um, and saving the boy like she saved her, and she gives her her mom's combat charm back. And then she asks Rael if she can save her brother, too. And uh, Ray's like, yeah, he looks pretty happy to me. But Kalita says that he's changing and he's seen too much and this isn't his place. So what do you think she means by that? He doesn't want to stay there. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's what it bought bottom bottom line. It's just like it's so militaristic. Like there's no other there's no other avenue for them but militarism. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with Abigail. Yeah. If you Sorry. if you wanted to stay away from the military, you should have stayed away from a bellwether. <laughs> True. And she probably feels like Abigail is going to lead him down a bad road. Yeah, definitely. And it's all um, drawn together with Alder, who she really can't stand. So, yeah. But I wonder how much of that is just her speaking genuinely, just based on their faith as the Tareem, and how much of that is like she feels like she's losing her brother to Abigail in a way. Because it seems like it's just been the two of them for a long time. And now he has this interest in this girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, all of a sudden, he may not follow what she says. He may decide yeah. to stay at Fort Salem on his own if she decides to leave. Yeah. Right. I wonder if he can. Or is there something in their practice that, like, forces him to go where she goes? Hmm. They were separated while he went with she stayed at Fort Salem and he went back to the Tareem region to rescue the rest so they were separated then. That's true. That's true. Then maybe it takes longer. Yeah. I don't know if maybe uh, maybe that was allowed because it was temporary. Who knows? I guess we'll find out eventually. But um Meanwhile, Ray is on the phone with her dad and updating him and, you know, she's telling him about what's going on and he tells her that she sounds just like her mom, like with her distrust of the military. Um, And she tells him that she got her mom's combat charm back and he asks her, you know, what happened to that girl you were dating? And uh, Rayel says they broke up. And he tells her, well, you know, it's her loss. <laughs> Such oh a my, dad. So much. <laughs> I like Edwin Collar a lot. Yeah, it's like, you know, he's so unassuming and he's just there for, there for his daughter, loves his daughter, loved his wife. Um, and, you know, I, it just, I get principles. And I get like stepping out on principle that, you know, Willa did, but like she really just left her child and this like really great guy, like, and just let them think she was that she was dead. And it's just I feel bad for him. He just he's doing his best. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's a good dude and you just left him. Yeah, she doesn't upset about it either. Yeah, she seems kind of indifferent about the whole thing. Yeah. Which is just odd, but oh, we get back to Abigail and Adil, and, you know, they're just getting it in in the forest in a sleeping bag, because why not? <laughs> in the rooms? <laughs> I guess not. Right. Like, Take care rooms. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, they don't have in, any single rooms anywhere they could go. Like, you wa- you encourage them to do this to power up, yeah. so. Yeah, yeah. Like, why don't Maybe you that's have only rooms? during specific times <laughs> when it's, like, it aligns with the universe or something. 
I don't know. They don't seem like they discourage it at any point. So, well, they don't really seem like they're watching these cadets anyway. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It seems like it's kind of a free for all. So, like, have some empty rooms they can go to. Jeez. They want to be with nature because they're witches. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Go out into the woods, ladies. (laughs) Which kind of off topic. I need somebody to explain witch birth control to me. So while they're doing that, um, the earth starts to shake and everyone can feel it, including (laughs) Tally, who is checking herself out in the mirror, like trying to make sure everything went back to where it was supposed to be. And Alder walks in with the biddies to check on her. And um, she tells Alder she's okay, but, you know, she misses Alder like she's never missed anyone in her life. And thus, a ship was born. <laughs> right, exactly. And the, and the uh, actresses are, like, totally supported. You can see it right. on uh, social media. They knew what they were doing with this scene. It's super gay. Yeah, <laughs> very. They knew exactly what they were doing with this. And there we witnessed the birth of Talder. <laughs> but um, Alder tells her that it'll pass, but the bond they have will endure forever in some small way, which is kind of beautiful. Yeah. But also weird. Yes. Just like Alder herself. Yes. <laughs> so then we cut to uh, Penelope. And they're testing her to see if she's truly a witch. Alder has her sing a seed, and um, she's successful at that, and she says she's of the blood. Uh, so she tells her about the oath and welcomes her. And, like, the whole time this is going on, her dad is watching, and he does not look happy about this at all. <sighs> this does not want his daughter to be a witch. Mm-mm. No, this is, like, the worst thing that has ever happened to him in his life. Yeah. So, back with Willa and Scylla. Um, Willa they... and Scylla. <laughs> Willa and Scylla. <laughs> <laughs> so, they've disguised themselves and are trying to infiltrate a gathering that is at the site of a spree attack from six years ago. And, of course, people are there and they're angry about the spree attacks getting worse. And they say that, you know, maybe the army can't be trusted to fight against their own. Yeah. Which, in um, fun fact, that guy that was doing the speech is a voice actor, actually, that I follow on TikTok. (laughs) Oh. Oh, nice. (laughs) Why is he in? Is he in anything like we would know? He does mostly commercials as opposed to like, so I guess not acting. He was like voice artist. He does more commercials than anything. He's good. (laughs) He definitely gave a convincing speech. Yes. Got the crowd fired up there. So uh, Willa tells Scylla that hate is a disease and they need to find patient zero, which to me, that was really rich coming from somebody who joined the spree. Right. I'm just like... (laughs) Mama Collar, <laughs> need I pull up your rap sheet? <laughs> I'm like, for real? <laughs> I guess, Willa, but I got some questions about you. <laughs> so well, back... it takes one to know one. <laughs> yeah. That's like the, the thing she said about lies and, like, you know, well, Scylla was saying about lying, like, 
I don't know how they have, you know, they recognize these things in other people, but not themselves. Yeah. Because they have a good goal. They're kind of <laughs> free witches. The Camarilla has a bad goal. They're trying to kill witches. So <laughs> that's, how, that's how we can tell who are like the good guys and the bad guys. Like, wait a minute, what's the goal? But they're just killing regular people to free witches. Exactly. <laughs> Which is my problem with this freak. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to backfire on you. It's I not. Can't, I can't believe you didn't see how this would backfire on you. Yeah, just not the most solid of plans there. But, but um, they're desperate. True. I guess that's what they came up with in the heat of the moment, I guess. <laughs> um, back in the infirmary with Tally, uh, Abigail and Ray are sitting there talking with her, and like Tally is just super into this conversation with Abigail about the earthquake and like she knows it was Abigail and Adil that caused it and Abigail's like super pleased with herself as always <laughs> just <laughs> living <always> for this there's <laughs> no shame that everybody knows your business oh, she right. doesn't care <laughs> nope. she's like that Tareem earthwork is strong <laughs> and um Tally asked her if she quaked too, and Abigail being Abigail as usual, it's like, I always quake. Right. Um, <laughs> I handles mine. <laughs> <laughs> but then she gets a little reflective and she's like, you know, but it's more than just sex with him and charging up. It's deeper and it feels like destiny. Oh, I know. So pretty. I'm glad they have good chemistry. Because they would, it would be hard to sell this like whirlwind romance they're in if they didn't have any. Right. Yeah. They definitely have it. So I'm buying it. Yeah. Our girl is changing. She's in love mm-hmm. now. So Tally tells her that, you know, Adele loves her and he was absolutely destroyed on the plane. And then Anacostia bursts through the door and demands that they give her their medals, which, of course, they think they're in trouble, because when are they not in trouble? You Uh, three. (laughs) It's always you three. And they're like, okay, what do we do now? (laughs) But she takes the medal, she does something, and then she gives them back. And Tally starts screaming because she read it, and it says that they're going to war college. Finally. They've more than earned it. They really have. They almost died. Like one of them became a biddy and the other two almost died. So I think they deserve war college. Absolutely. I I think they deserve to be retired, but (laughs) (laughs) that too. That's not happening. (laughs) But in the alternative, since like nobody's gonna let them retire because apparently you serve until you die. Like Like, war college is a good, like, consolation prize. (laughs) (laughs) So they share a toast with Anacostia, and she says that, you know, the best part is that they're Alder's problem now, not hers. (laughs) Aw, she loves them. I know. So cute. (laughs) I love this moment. Yeah. It's like, I'm done with you troublemakers. Finally. (laughs) But let's have a drink, because I love you guys. Exactly. See, really. I'm never going to tell you to your face. <laughs> <laughs> right. So 
He's like, I love you all, and I cried about two of you almost dying, but I'm not going to tell you that. We're going to pretend I don't like you. <laughs> so when Tally goes back to sleep, um, she starts dreaming about a mission with Alder where soldiers were just being picked off by someone and then some giant worms attack. And one gets on Tally and she wakes up screaming. Abigail and Rail adorably are asleep together on the bed beside her. And they jump up and run to help her um, and try to calm her down. And they're telling her, you know, it was just a dream. It wasn't real. But then she pulls up her shirt and there are marks across her stomach from the worm biting her. And they're all they're all shots. Freaky sequence. I was like, oh, my God, I hate this. Yeah. Okay, those worms were huge. Yes. That did not seem natural. No. (laughs) Right. That just shouldn't be a thing. (laughs) It shouldn't be. It should, I don't know where you are in the world, but like it should not be a thing. <laughs> Wherever it is, I don't want to go there. Definitely exactly. not. And I'm super intrigued by like what is the if it's it can't be just a regular dream, obviously, if she gets if she has actual bite marks manifested. So like is there like is there work in the dream? Like what exactly is going on? Like that's pretty freaky. Yeah. Walter said she would feel the connection between them for the rest at some like some level for the rest of her life. Maybe she didn't yeah. need this level, but yeah, exactly. I was like, you could have been a little bit more specific, ma'am. Right. So, like, <laughs> uh, you might and feeling your memories. You need to tell me that. Hey, you could have just warned her. Like, you might almost die in a dream. Sorry about it. <laughs> Sorry about like... it. And actually, it'd be interesting. Like, I would have been interested if we'd had seen we'd seen a scene where she asked Alder about physical manifest or any of the biddies even like physical manifestations and shared dreams like what you know because I mean the phys- the physical part is the part that I'm like kind of stuck on like what <laughs> yeah. and now I want to know like when Tally was in this dream, are they all experiencing this? Like, do the other biddies experience this? Or is this oh, only right. something that's happening to Tally? That's a good question. Because I would think if they all shared this connection with Alder and then, like, the other biddies are still attached to her, that they would be experiencing this too. Yeah. Or, you know, this is... Okay, so I'm going to be in the weeds for just a second. But, like, I remember there was a character on Star Trek Voyager, and um, they were, like, a Borg. Do you know what a Borg is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're, like, a you know, a collective consciousness. And so one of them broke off but still had a connection to the small little pod that they were connected to. And so they had their own special little connection. And I wonder if it's similar where... Like, Tally is no longer connected to the Biddies, but she's connected to Alder, and this, like, it's almost this other frequency, right? Like, I wonder if that's what's happening. Um, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And now I want to rewatch Voyager. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched an episode of DS9 today. I was like, wow, this show is great. <laughs> I never finished Voyager. I need to do that one day. It's on my never-ending list of things to rewatch. It's leaving Netflix, so you got to get Paramount. 
Oh, no. oh wait, I think I have that already. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do. Because I bought it for the the equalizer. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, that is the end of episode one. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break for a short message from our sponsor. And we'll we be right back to dive into episode two, Abomination. Welcome back, witches. Uh, we are now diving into episode two, uh, Abomination. So this episode it begins with uh, Isadora and Alder watching Rael and Abigail be tested. They're inside these chambers and they're singing a seed. Um, and Alder and Isadora are talking about how this has been going on for days and they haven't been able to recreate the work yet. Um, so Alder's disappointed. She said, you know, she wanted to tell the Hague delegation that they had a new weapon to fight the Camarilla. Um, so Alder decides to suspend the testing. Abigail wants to keep going, but uh, she tells them, you know, they need to go start war college with Tally. And while they're off to go start their first day at war college, Alder tells Isadora that they need to find another way forward. So Isadora shows her uh, something that was recovered from the Tareem mission, um, and it appears to be a head that's covered in mushrooms. Um, she says she's never seen anything like it. And Isadora says she's going to try to examine it and find out what happened. Which, that was weird. Like, you just collect a head from... (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and it's weird that there was, like, just the one person, that's it. Right, like, I feel like they killed several people during this thing. Like, you just recovered one head. (laughs) And that's going to tell you everything you need to know. Well, at least they did. I guess they just left everything else there. (laughs) Just let me take this head, leave everything else. Maybe they degraded. Mm, Maybe so. so. Like one big mushroom. I don't know. It's very freaky looking. Yeah. It's really weird. And why mushrooms? <laughs> right? <laughs> kind of gross. Reminds me of that, um, the death cap that Willa, not Willa, Scylla. Yeah. Scylla <laughs> <laughs> and Willa. Their names are too similar. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess it does. It's like, you know, I wonder if, you know, mushrooms or whatever are very much like connected to witchcraft or if it's more connected to necromancy specifically, you know? Mm. I'm very outdated on my witch knowledge. I need to start (laughs) reading up on that again. So we cut to the unit and they're eating breakfast. Um, Tally is asking Ray and Abigail about the testing and what was happening. Um, Ray is just done with it. She doesn't want to keep up with it and keep going, but Abigail does. Um, but she changes the subject and asks uh, Tally about her dreams. 
And she says she hasn't had any new ones. Um, so Ray asks Abigail to tell them about War College and um, Tally asks when they're going to meet their company. And Abigail is like, nobody calls it a company. It's a coven. Which that is, is cool. so cool. Yeah. <laughs> coven is just so much cooler than company. Absolutely. And there's another soldier who's like sitting on a sofa staring at them. And, you know, Chihuahua Rael is back at it again. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What are you looking at? <laughs> well, we need to get along so with these people. So John. <laughs> I thought she was over this, but no. Everybody else is mad me. So Tally tells them that um people are spreading rumors about them and like saying that they only got in because Petra pulled strings. And Abigail's just like, don't worry about what people say. <laughs> um, yeah, she knows they're going to prove themselves. Right. And I'm sure she gets this all the time just because yeah. of who she is. Like, her yeah. mother's a general, so everybody thinks she gets everything because of who she is. So Tally looks over at another table and she sees Penelope sitting there eating alone and feels bad for her. Aww, poor Penelope. Yeah. <laughs> she is not in a great position right now. Like, yeah. Just thrown into this new environment where she doesn't know anything and she doesn't understand anything. So. And I don't not thrilled about it and she's not stupid so she knows that much mm-hmm. right and like she's there and no other cadets are there yet like she's the only cadet there at this point yeah and so she, to go from one moment you're just singing in a church to the next moment you're in the army <laughs> oh my goodness and she, and you know, she's she's the vice president's daughter, so you know she had like a cushy little life, whatever she was doing, probably. Yeah. In so you know, that's a big change. Probably in high school, thinking, you know, I'm gonna go to college next year. It's gonna be yeah. amazing. And yeah. now she's like, I could die. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's quite the downfall for her. Right. It's like I, I could die, and also clearly, I'm unholy. Because, you know, they're, they're church-growing folks, and clearly in this universe, witchcraft and, and church-growing folks don't mix. So she's like, you know, I don't know how how much of a believer she is or if it's kind of like you just kind of join it because it's family. But she's probably like, okay, so not only <laughs> can I die, but I'm, like, not even holy anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot for her. Like, she is, has gone through a lot in these few days. Mm-hmm. You know, pause for a moment, <laughs> pause for a moment, and go back to, like, when they were testing her, and Alder was, like, speaking into her ear. <laughs> if that was me, <laughs> I would have gotten nothing accomplished. <laughs> I'm sorry. Exactly. I would have been like, ha, ha, ha. what did you say? <laughs> Alder's always being so sexy all the time. <laughs> I feel like that's just who Lynn Renee is. And it's reflecting right. on Alder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Super sexy 
alder. When she's like, let it thicken in your blood, I'm like, you should not be hot. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about singing. (laughs) Right. Yeah, she'd have to back up a few feet. Like, can you maintain the personal bubble so I can concentrate? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> can you get Anacostia to tell me this instead? Because Anacostia is just going to make me feel bad about myself. And I'm going to try <laughs> no, to I live don't up know. to expectations. So I'm going to try hard. Yeah, I but don't know if that would help me. <laughs> I really want Anacostia proud of me. <laughs> The Anacostia thirst is real too. So it is real, but like I just really want her to be proud of me. So like I would <laughs> try so hard to match that tone. <laughs> Whereas Alder, I'm like, I'm just a mess. I'm sorry. <laughs> You'd be the tally of our group. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we cut to uh Willa and Scylla and Scylla has found out that there's someone with money that's pulling the strings because these rallies that they've been going to are way too well-funded. She's made friends with a couple that she thinks knows something. So Willa tells her not to lose sight of the mission because she knows what can happen when she gets too close. And Scylla asks Willa uh, why she didn't reach out to Rael in all this time. Um, and Willa explained that, you know, the army kept her deployed throughout most of Rael's life because they didn't like who she married. And she just started to become angry and disillusioned with seeing Rael grow up without her. And that's how she ended up um, joining the spree and eventually felt like Ray might be better off without her, which I'm going to call bullshit on that whole thing. Me too. I was like, this is so weak. This is so weak. Because the other thing is, you she did this thing i saw this on i forgot if it was tiktok or some other um social media someone had mentioned like she planned it out because when she left to join the spree and 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 fake her death she planted all these seeds to make rael not trust the army and not trust the bellwethers in particular so it was like you plotted and planned lady don't act like oh i just lost sight of no you didn't lose sight of shit (laughs) you planned this and you like made it so that you could not not poison her mind because again you know it's not that she's wrong but you like you influenced how Riel saw the military before you even left mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely because for as much as she doesn't like Petra like you did some Petra level planning to make this happen oh yeah Absolutely. I'm like, it makes no sense. Cause like, why didn't you just take rail with you? Exactly. You could have taken rail and you could have taken Edwin. Cause I don't think either of them would have been against like leaving the army behind. Especially if rail wasn't even in the army to begin with. So like you could have just taken her before she joined the army, but like yeah. having her join the army and then sending Scylla to like, extract her that just seems like so it's so much work yeah when you could have just taken her with you when she was a child exactly like there was no real reason to do this this way no i mean other than i mean okay so i understand like not wanting to take your kid on the run 
But it's just to act like it was like happenstance or you didn't plan and plot this is I'm just not buying it. It's bull. Maybe yeah. this breed doesn't like children. Yeah. They can maybe be a complication. Yeah, maybe you, <clears throat> maybe you can't really have families in this breed. Yeah. It's all about the mission. I don't know. I feel like it's more that the spree probably wouldn't have wanted Edwin there because he's civilian and they seem to take this whole thing out on civilians. So, but if that's the case, I have some serious questions about you marrying him, but deciding to join the spree. Right. Either way, it looks bad. Uh, Absolutely. Any way you look at this, it looks bad. Yeah. So... The Bellwether unit um, finally gets to meet their coven and the soldier that was staring at them, they find out uh, that she's, well, they are called M and uh, is the leader. And they tell them that they'll have some classes together, but will mostly be following their individual specializations now. So they're going to be split up a little bit and, um, even though they're going to, going to be following their individual specializations, they'll still be bunking together, which they're happy about. I love that little look they give to each other when they find out they're still going to be rooming together. <laughs> you know, Adam is really working for me, too. <laughs> yes. Like, how did they get this many hot people in a cast? <laughs> I was like, wait, hey, that's overwhelming. We first saw Emma, I was like, hello. <laughs> and hey. Helen Graves, Bridie, everybody. Like, how? Yes. How? Have you accomplished Just, this? <laughs> how do you concentrate at Fort Salem? I, I mean, I just don't understand. There's so many distractions. Right. So this, I mean, everybody's so hot all the time. Right. Abigail has more self-restraint than we give her credit for, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, when they're leaving, a guy named Gregorio approaches Abigail, and she does not seem happy to see this dude. She just kind of blows him off and walks away. Um, And M asks to uh, speak with Ray, and Ray apologizes for yelling at them earlier. And uh, as M is talking to Ray, Isadora is examining the head and it's saying exactly what Rayel is saying. Which is just real creepy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So there's that connection again. So it's it's weird. Like both of them, uh, Tally and Rayel have like a weird freaky connection <laughs> with some other entity. Yeah. And Isadora is just way too calm about this for me because, like, a disembodied head is talking. Necros, man. Necros. <laughs> and she's just standing there listening to it, like, oh, okay, it's talking. Um, what do I do now? They are trained alone because they are so weird. Just mm-hmm. Necros, no. <laughs> <laughs> So M brings up Scylla and, uh, you know, Ray's like, it's in the past. I'm tired of secrets. 
So they get back to the room and Tally is asking Abigail about Gregorio and she tells her that he was her cavalier. And Tally's like, the one that Libba stole from you? Um, and at that moment, Gregorio walks in and he's kind of angry and he's like, no one stole me. I'm not a possession. <laughs> <laughs> what an entrance. <laughs> How long were you standing there, dude? <laughs> right. Were you just listening at the door waiting for your name to come up? <laughs> but he starts laughing and he's like, I'm just joking. And um, he tells Abigail that the whole thing was just a misunderstanding and that he and Libba were actually together back then. And Abigail didn't know that. Um, he said they were keeping it a secret and uh, high Atlantic tradition dictated that he be Abigail's cavalier, which Abigail's like, yeah, Libba, Libba was never big on tradition, except the tradition of like giving you shit apparently, which Gregorio <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> And he also tells her that uh, Libba would have liked her eulogy. And he said that he thought the eulogy was beautiful. Yeah, I loved, like, what a great way to intro a new character. Because I was like, I instantly really like this guy. Like, I was like, I'm all in. He's a great kid. I yeah. love Gregorio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I liked him from the beginning. Like, he came in with jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, he came with a poignance because he used to, you know, be with Libba and, you know, we're still kind of missing her and, and just having somebody else that, you know, cared for her coming into the cast is really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate that they mentioned Libba again because, like, a lot of times on the show they kill off a character like her who wasn't a main character and, like, you never hear about them again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I like that their lives just didn't just go on and they forgot about her. Like, they still yes. talk about her and remember her. Yep. So Sekhmet, uh, they get called to the lounge and Alder is there to welcome them personally to War College. Uh, and she tells them to have the Camarilla in their minds as they continue their training and to embrace the foundational principles of War College. Um, and that means like constantly seeking the truth no matter where it leads them and being utterly fearless and Alder's just doing her Alder thing and giving this great rah-rah like speech. <laughs> like she had a message for each of them. Yeah. That they needed to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Alder's gonna give a great speech every time. Oh yeah, absolutely. She's great at those. She's had time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Right. After it's 300 like, years, I'm going to be good at speech making too. Right. <laughs> exactly. She's had over 300 years of practice. <laughs> so we get back to Isadora and she's still examining the head. Um, she opens up the skull and finds that inside the skull, there's like a part of the mycelium that's all over the brain. And at that point, she realizes that it must be because of Rael, because Rael is the only person to ever like touch Mother Mycelium and live through it. And she realizes that somehow Ray is still connected to the Mycelium. All that just for like going to make trouble trying to find Scylla. <laughs> <laughs> now you're stuck with a mushroom for life. 
right, that you apparently can shoot onto people and connect <laughs> to you like some kind of weird medium. And that saved your life. Yeah, that's a big deal. True, true. Definitely a buff. Poor Rail. She wanted to leave the army so bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Now she's, she's become so... indispensable. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she was gung ho about dying, and now you're their latest weapon. Right, and it's um, and it won't let you die. <laughs> <laughs> it's just keeping you alive at all costs. Yeah. Sucks to be you, man. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be. Attached to some sentient mushroom forever. Especially when you don't know what the long term is. Like, what's the, what is the, you know, end game to this? Right. Mm. But we get back to Scylla and she is headed back to the scene of the mall killing. And there are people there gathering and placing memorials and like Scylla. Seems to be regretting what she did. And you know, she does. When she walks in, there's definitely like some regret on her face, which I was surprised she seems by. Upset. Yeah. Because I guess it's After one thing to like. What were you saying? No, I'm sorry. I was just saying after everything, I'm not. I'm not super surprised by it, but yeah, it's nice to see. Yeah, because I think it's, like, one thing to, like, set off a balloon and immediately leave without seeing the repercussions of what you did. Mm-hmm. And then seeing the repercussions of what you did later yeah. with the yeah. families, these people who died surrounding you. Yeah. Yeah. She's, like, forced to face it now. Um, but a man starts to give a speech. There are a lot of speeches in this episode. Honestly, <laughs> um, he's given by men. Yeah. And like he's demanding that Spree be held accountable. And um while he's talking, a woman comes up to her and calls her Justine. And while the woman is talking to Sella, Anacostia walks up and takes the podium and starts talking about how she lost her parents during the attack. And she's talking about the witch that did it and says she wonders if there's anything human left in her. And she's looking directly at Scylla when she says that. Yeah. Anacostia. I don't that name is not Anacostia. <laughs> no. <laughs> Direct <laughs> all the time. Mm-hmm. After she comes down, Scylla approaches her and wants to know what she's doing and why she hasn't arrested her yet. And I don't know why she asked that question, because she let you go. So why would she need to arrest you at this point? Um, But Anacostia says that, you know, like the remorse is written all over your face since you walked in here. And she is absolutely right about that. Um. Scylla's not having it, though. No. <laughs> I'm not remorseful. Scylla's cry, in denial. Cry, cry, cry. <laughs> She's in denial and trying to act tough, but we know better. Um, and she realizes that 
while they're talking that Scylla thinks it's the Camarilla and um, asks if the Spree have changed their focus. And at that point, Anacostia admits that, you know, there are things about the army lately that don't sit right with her. And she's been wondering if there's a different way to do things. Which I was like, wow, that's a big, that's a big change. Now I'm wondering how much of that is true and how much of that is she's telling, saying just to get still on her side. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a very strong phrase to get her on her side. Yeah. Yeah. Because so I, I know what, what happened with Alder puppeting the president really shook Anacostia. But like, did it shake the foundations of her admiration and love for Alder? Because those go deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Like, I kind of thought at first that she was just telling Scylla what she thought she wanted to hear. But then I thought about like her, just the act of her letting Scylla go was like such a big change for Anacostia. Like yeah. that that came out of her like starting to distrust Alder. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she is Yeah. So I feel like she's sincere about this. Yeah. Back on base, um Tally finds Penelope upset. She's just finished um talking to her father. And it's clear that, you know, things didn't go well in that conversation. And so Tally tells her, you know, it's the same way with me and my mom. Um, Don't worry about it. It'll get better. And then she has to uh, go off to class with her unit. And um, when they enter the class. hmm? Has it gotten better for Tally and her mother? It hasn't. (laughs) 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 Yeah, if it. How are you going to be the one to say it's going to get better when you're not even <laughs> speaking to your mom? Like, we right. haven't heard about that woman in, like, six episodes. <laughs> yeah, do they even talk anymore? We As haven't heard. You no, know, you're not talking to her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's like, Penelope, follow my example. Just stop talking to your dad. <laughs> Maybe that's what she means by it gets better. Once you cut them out of your life, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> Once you are free, <laughs> you don't it's need better. them anyways. All you need is a witch. You have us now. We're your family. Yeah. yeah. I hope they do mention Tally's mother at some point because, like, we haven't heard about that woman since like episode three. <laughs> right. Yeah. Tally is not talking to her mom. <laughs> Just bring her back. <laughs> we hear more about Willa Collar all through season one, and she's supposed to be dead. Right. So true. So our girls go to their class, and Adil is sitting in there, and Abigail's being all cute, and they're smiling at each other. Well, they're so cute. <laughs> they're adorable. Um, and she sits in the desk next to him, and they're just looking of at course. each other. and we find out that the class is a mother tongue class and Adil has been asked to uh, sit in because you know as Tareem he's spoken mother tongue from birth 
Um, and the teacher asks them if they're wondering why they need to learn it at all. And Rail's like, isn't this just for like the Hague and High Atlantics? And he says that, you know, mother tongue is the root of all languages and that there's certain work that can only be performed in mother tongue, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's what the spray is whispering. Mm. When they whisper to their balloons or mm. their objects that explode. Are they whispering mother tongue? That is a good question. That is a good question. But like I thought it was cool that like mother tongue is the root of all languages and like Adil grew up speaking mother tongue, but he can also speak per- perfect English. Mm-hmm. Because he can speak mother tongue. Yeah. But I also felt like it was pretty messed up because only the people going to war college are learning mother tongue. And you're like, there's certain work that can only be do done in mother tongue. So you're just sending people to the front lines without all the equipment. Well, they were just bound to die. So like... <laughs> Yeah, just they weren't even important there. enough to get the mother tongue language. So no, they're like <laughs> <laughs> just setting them up for failure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> so Tally runs into Alder after class and she stops her and asks for permission to tutor Penelope Silver. And Alder gives her blessing and tells Tally to carry on. She has to run off uh, to a meeting with the Hague delegation. Um, and when she gets to her office, Kalita is sitting there talking to the rest of the Hague delegation. And Alder is pretty surprised. Like, I guess Kalita was not invited to this meeting. Kalita goes, <laughs> Kalita wants to go. That's the girl whatever she wants. <laughs> <laughs> She just invited herself to Alder's office. Like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Alder, huh? (laughs) Kalita's just like, I'll kill your plants again. What are you going to (laughs) do? That's all she could do. (laughs) So she's sitting there and Alder asks her what she's doing there. And um, she says she's there to discuss where she and Adil might settle. So... Plot twist and a bad sign for our girl. <laughs> Adil might be leaving. No. Kalita's is not feeling it. Kalita is not happy at Fort Salem. Um, not at all. Um, and what, what's interesting is like what she's like. She seems to be. Um way more into the other places but they're all militaristic too so I'm like wow okay right like I was wondering like what is her personal thing against Alder I yeah because Alder started it all so everybody's just following in Alder's example but Alder's the one who started the military she's okay. the one who started witches fighting for okay. your humans <laughs> regular people we need That's a word for regular people in this universe. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they're just civilians because they don't they don't get conscripted. Civilians then. 
Uh, Kalita tells Alder that she's uh, grateful, but she knows, you know, her feelings about being there. I think everybody knows her feelings about being there at this point. Everybody (laughs) does. But Alder pleads with her to reconsider. And then she tells the Hague delegation about what the Camarilla have been doing. And she tells them that, you know, what's important now is that we all come together and stamp them out. Can I count on you to stamp them out in your countries like I'll do in mine? Oh, nice speech. Yeah. It's always good for a speech, that one. Mm-hmm. So we get back to Adele and Abigail and they're making out. And uh, she knows that his mind is on something else. Um, He tells her that Kalita wants him to come with her on a world tour. And he doesn't know if he's going to go. And she just kind of changes the subject um, to a deal having lunch with Gregorio. And um, he, like, wants to know what this Cavalier thing is all about. He's like, what's a Cavalier it sounds intimate. Which you're not slick a deal. <laughs> I know what you're <laughs> asking. <laughs> and she's like, it often is, but just not with her and Gregorio because they just never clicked like that. Um, she doesn't exactly explain what the Cavalier is. <laughs> no. <laughs> they still don't know. <laughs> also, from the conversation, like when she was telling Tally about Libba dancing with her cavalier first. I'm assuming it's sort of like a debutante ball. That's yeah. what I was thinking it was, but now they're like, oh, it's intimate. <laughs> so I'm still going to say I'm assuming it's like a debutante ball. <laughs> You're supposed to go off and do some stuff with this person? It's not a must, but like it happens. <laughs> having, happens. having been a debutante. like. <laughs> oh, right. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. I've never met a debutante or former debutante. Do you is debutante like a thing that you are and then it ends or you're always a debutante? No, it's well technically I guess like after your year you're considered a widow. So Oh, that's sad. You can, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so you can come back to for subsequent ceremonies and like there's always stuff going on that you come back for. But um, I do not participate in any of it. Like, I was in and out. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, I'm doing this, and I'm gone. I wasn't that into it anyway. It was, like, a thing that my great aunt wanted me to do. So I'm like, okay, whatever, I'll do it. (laughs) But it's not really fun. Aw. I guess if you like a lot of ceremonial stuff, it is. But, like, it, yeah. It wasn't for me. We all had the same ugly white dress. <laughs> I, want, a, uh, I would love to see pictures, so you need to uh, you need to put them on Twitter or something. <laughs> <laughs> they are not going on the public Twitter. <laughs> I will DM them to you. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think there's only like one picture. I don't know. I'll have to find them. I also want to flashback to the the witch coming out ball. I just feel like that'd be a really fun uh, scene to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we would get Libba back for that. 
Yep, sure would. And while Abigail and Adil are talking, she tells him like she's glad he's making friends and hopes it'll give him another reason to stay. Girl, he does not need another reason. <laughs> you are his reason. You are the reason. So we get to Tally and Tally's napping in her room and she has another dream about the mission with Alder in the jungle. And one of the soldiers is performing some kind of off-canon work that saved them. And Alder's talking to the soldier and she's telling her, you know, you're doing good work, but your work is wild and like offers to help her control it. Mm-hmm. But then some bells start to ring and Tally wakes up. So we don't get the rest of that story. I mean, that work was really interesting because, like, she stepped on a glass and they, the soldiers out there them started killing each other. Exactly. Like, it's very similar to what the Spree are doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I'm trapped in a container. Yep. So the unit goes to their next class, and it is the class called Introduction to Off-Canon Work. And the instructor tells them that they won't be learning how to use off-canon work, but they're going to learn how to recognize and resist it. So as the instructor is talking, they're all starting to feel really hot, and they hear these noises like there's a radiator, but there's no radiator in the room. And the sound stops as soon as the instructor closes a box that's on her desk. So Tally asks if the army has ever used this kind of work in combat because she's just seen this in a dream. You know what? It doesn't really make sense to me to learn it but not use it. Yeah. Yeah, if you're going to go through the trouble of learning it and your enemies are using it, why aren't you using it back against them? Is it a principle thing? There's so many people with principles in this job. <laughs> I'm a black principle. That's another thing that they don't teach the, uh, the, the cannon fodder, how to resist off-cannon work, which is what you're going to have to deal with almost all engagements. <laughs> They right, like them to die. <laughs> they are really just sitting, sending them out there to get killed. They are. Like, you are giving them nothing to work with here. No <laughs> mother tongue, no understanding of off canon work. You're just sending them to the front lines to die. <laughs> I mean, because so, like, this whole exercise was messed up. <laughs> it really was. Like, so the instructor rings a bell and that like puts them all in some kind of trance and they put bags over their heads and walk off. And then they wake up in a room that looks like an attic with no idea of how they got there. And Tally's the first one to realize that it's some kind of exercise. So there are clocks everywhere ticking and then alarms start going off. And Tally's like, okay, we need to find the source of the working. So Abigail's like, I got it. It's She picks up a music box and smashes it, but that's not the source. And Tally's just kind of standing there looking around, and Abigail's like, why aren't you doing anything? Um, but Tally says she is, and she can see the source. And it leads them into the second room. Which is filled with dolls. 
with the creepiest dolls. Like I feel like I had to censor myself there. <laughs> I'm like, mm, this, this, no, this is a big no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't like it. Not good. But while they're going into the room with the creepy dolls, um, Anacostia and Scylla are at the bar with the couple that they had met. And the husband is a real jerk. <laughs> like, I feel like this woman is in an abusive relationship. I think so, too. <laughs> I don't know. I what... don't like him. No. Like, he doesn't want her to have any friends. Like, she's happy to have other women around. And he's like, just being a jerk about the whole thing. Yeah. But Anacostia and Stella pretending to be drunk was pretty hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) I love when they drop the act. (laughs) (laughs) Like, immediately, as soon as he walked away. So, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And Anacostia was like, this is how civilians do it. (laughs) I got this. I do love that um, this mashup is not something I would have ever like planned or thought would happen, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's working for me as team ups go. Mm-hmm. So they clock the man at the bar, like handing someone a huge wad of cash. So obviously there's some kind of shady deal going down. (laughs) (laughs) So they'll have to get to the bottom of that. But I don't know why people always do stuff like that. Why would you do that at a bar? (laughs) Right. Like out in the open. (laughs) Because everybody's, you know, paying attention to their own business. (laughs) (laughs) Like if you don't Venmo that cash, like what do you (laughs) I don't even know if they have Venmo. Everybody's speaking on payphones. I still don't know what year it is, so who knows? I've not seen one cell phone. That's true. I haven't seen a cell phone. Seen a cordless phone. They're not Venmoing anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's either hand off in a bar or a carrier pigeon. (laughs) Maybe they need to call Garrett. No, Garrett. Poor thing. That can be Garrett's new business. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, back with Sekhmet, um, they're in the second room, and it's full of the creepy dolls. And the creepy dolls get creepier by coming to life and starting to grab everybody. Which you knew was going to happen the minute you saw them. Right. (laughs) Generally, if life-size dolls are involved, just get out. (laughs) (laughs) So they're stuck having to fight them off, and... They think it's over, but then Rael and Abigail get grabbed and taken out of the room. Um, Tally finally finds the source of the work, and it's a light bulb that she turns off. And then the uh, walls open up, and the instructor is like, nobody has ever beaten the dollhouse on their first try. Nice. And Tally tells the instructor that she could see it, like she could see the sound how he has skills mm-hmm. powers are getting stronger and this was the line Petra said didn't matter <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I wonder if that, that development in her powers has anything to do with her connection to Alder. Oh, yes. That's something to consider, definitely. Yeah. But it takes her a second, but she finally realizes that Abigail and Ray are gone and nobody knows where they are. Um, then we cut to them and they are waking up trapped inside chambers. And Isadora tells Rael that, like, you touched her, so now you have to pay. Who is Isadora? So... <laughs> <laughs> so she turns on the gas in their chambers and it doesn't take long for Abigail to pass out. And uh, Isadora tells Ray she's an abomination and she's going to die. And at that point, suddenly she's encased in this bubble and you realize that the mycelium is protecting her. Mm -hmm. I need Isadora to get a new hobby. Isadora (laughs) She be wilding out like the way she goes about doing things is always so like talk about off canon. She just be off the cuff doing some crazy stuff. I mean, she gets results. I can't get too mad at her, but geez, lady, it's all about the results. It's all about the results. (laughs) She can can do whatever she wants. But why are you torturing these children like this? (laughs) That's all they need to know about the weapon. they do to these kids just torture them they almost died (laughs) on the terrain mission and now you're trying to kill them again I mean you just knocked Abigail out like you didn't even care (laughs) right like uh, did you put down any pillows or anything good grief you just let her hit the floor (laughs) Uh, Isadora has a drink with Alder and debriefs her on what she found out um, and she tells her that the fun- phenomenon is with Rael alone. And Isadora thanks her for approving such a risky test. Which, why? <laughs> Whatever it takes. I guess that's what she meant when she said they need to change directions. Like, try killing them and see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> she was willing to send them to the front line and to die. So, like, yeah. if they die here, it's no big deal. That's true. Petra Petra has already marked you, though. <laughs> you just stop it. marked again. <laughs> but Alter asks um, how Abigail handled it, and Isadora says um, that Abigail took a swing at her, which that tracks. Um, and Alder isn't surprised about it either. Um, and Isadora says that, you know, Abigail recovered fine, but she thinks that she's a little disappointed to not be a part of it. Mm-hmm. So um, Isadora is going to continue testing Rael uh, with Alder's blessing, but Alder told her to be careful. Because, of course, she doesn't want her new weapon harmed. But Abigail, Abigail can die. But, like, not yeah. Rael. Yeah. <laughs> Abigail, who cares? Kill her if you want. Don't <laughs> touch my new weapon, though. <laughs> well, we get back to the Bellwether unit, and they're having dinner together. And Abigail and Riel look terrible after what they just went through. <laughs> um, 
Rael is rightfully pissed off about what Isadora did to them, while Abigail is just kind of sitting there looking a little sad and dejected. Um, Ray says, like, at this point, the only people she trusts are Abigail and Tally. And Tally is asking her to describe what it's like. And while they're talking about that, Abigail is clearly upset. And um, Rael asks her if she's okay. And she says, like, yeah, I'm fine, but I'm just really tired. I'm going to go back to the room, which is a flat out lie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can see the tear tracks on her face. Right. Yeah. She they just choked her out. <laughs> right. I left her there. <laughs> All to prove that she didn't have the power to begin with. That's really yeah. messed up. Because she's the one that wanted the power. Right. Yeah. Rail yeah. didn't even want this and she has it. Mm-mm. Abigail's like if it had been me. <laughs> yeah. I would have been like, yes, this is Dora, test some more. <laughs> <laughs> And I think she's also taking it hard because, like, that to her was, like, her key to avenging Charvel's death. Yeah. And now that's been taken away from her, in a way. So, we get back to Scylla, and she's debriefing Willa on the situation with Anacostia, and Willa tells her to stay the course, but be careful because you can never trust the army, which, again, like, that's rich coming from a spree agent. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like she just keeps saying things about other people that she does not see in herself the are utterly trustworthy they are <laughs> now, what I gather from Willa Collar so far is Willa and self-aware don't go together so, back at Fort Salem um, Abigail's on her way back to their room and she runs into Kalita and asks her if, you know, she's seen a deal. And Kalita says, well, it's a deal I want to talk to you about. Um, Abigail says they can talk in her room, but Kalita declines. And she says, you know, this will only take a moment. Uh, she tells her that she has agreed to let Adil stay at Fort Salem while she searches for a home for their people, um, which for the first time in a long time, Abigail actually smiles. She's happy. And she's like, well, I think he really likes it here. But Kalita tells her, you know, I'm grateful to you and I don't want you to get hurt, but you need to understand that this isn't a permanent situation. My brother's always going to choose his people just as you'll always choose yours. Which that Abigail did not take very well. Ooh. It's like everything is coming down. Yeah. Really bad day. Yeah, she is having a terrible day so far. And that was just like the last straw for her. You see the tears in her eyes as Kalita walks away. Just not a good day for Abigail. Nope. Poor Abigail. Meanwhile, um, Tally is showing Penelope around the witch museum and she sees something in a picture. Um, And she recognizes that there's some kind of working on it that's been used to hide a person. And she tries to see if Penelope sees it. And Penelope's like, no, I don't see anything there. But Tally can see the picture pretty clearly, even though it's kind of coming in and out. Um, And she recognizes the person that's being hidden as the soldier that was doing the off-canon work in her dream. 
So there's definitely something deeper going on there. See, this is why if you biddy somebody, you keep them a biddy. You don't <laughs> just let them run loose with attachments to your memories that can come back and bite you on the ass. Right, just running around having your memories. <laughs> it's a biddy for life. <laughs> you die in that job. If you let them go, they can tell your secrets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Alder was not aware of how strong Tally's seeing ability has gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she probably underestimates her power in general. Yeah. Because Tally's new. Like, they were cadets. Like, they're just getting to war college. They were just trainees. So, I don't think she thought they would be that powerful at this point. For Tally to be seeing through that kind of work. Like, the kind of work that can hide a person in a picture is probably pretty advanced. Yeah. Especially for nobody that picked up on it before. Right. And people walk through that museum all the time and nobody else has picked up on this until Tally. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Tally's side is like really interesting to me. How it's yeah. developing. Yeah, her her yeah, her development is really coming along in this really interesting way. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of this. Like this this newfound development. Like I wonder if it's going to affect her trust of Alder. Because right now she seems to trust her more than she did before the Tareem mission. Because of that connection they had. She I think she feels like she understands her and her decisions more after being in her head. But that is the end of episode two. Um, any last thoughts before we go? A lot of stuff got set up in these mm-hmm. first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm really interested in this Anacostia Scylla um, <laughs> union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There are two strong personalities. Yes. Yeah. I that believe the- two completely different <laughs> ideologies. <laughs> yeah. There is definitely a strong potential for that to go left quickly. Absolutely. And the fact that like, you know, Anacostia is like army trained, so the way the her methods of doing things are gonna be very different from, you know, Scylla who's like terrorist trained, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Seeing them like try to work together is gonna be yeah. it's gonna be interesting. That is it for this episode, and we hope you've enjoyed our recap of episodes one and two of season two of Motherlands Fort Salem. Um, as always, if you'd like to support, you can subscribe, rate, review, share the show on social media. Um, if you have questions or comments, you can send them to us on Instagram or Twitter at It's Recap Madness or by email at recapmadness at gmail.com. We will be back next time with episodes three and four. Fairly well. Bye.
Thanks.